Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of Digging Deeper. This is episode three. We're here again with Nick Bradley, our church's senior pastor. And this last Sunday, September 1st, he gave a talk on Satan's Playbook, which was the wrap-up to our Life Hack series. So Nick, could you just give us a quick recap of what your sermon was? Yeah, so I kind of opened up with trying to pull a bit of a bait and switch just for fun in the first opening moments where uh, I talked about a, our last life hack is know the playbook. And most people uh, typically jump to, oh, I need to know the Bible. I need to know my playbook. And while that's true, we, we touched on that. I think uh, what I was excited about was that it's fair to say that most every sermon we give is our playbook. It's following scripture. And so this is one where uh, sort of switched it and said, no, know your opponent's playbook, know your enemy's playbook, because if you know that, uh, it just makes it so much easier on what to look out for and uh, what you could be ensnared with. And, and so, yeah, it was just taking a look at what are some of the tactics, plays, tricks, and schemes that Satan would use to stop us from doing what we're supposed to do as followers of Christ. Mm -hmm. So before we get into some of those specific plays from uh, what you discussed at your sermon, uh, obviously Satan's playbook lends itself to a certain sport, which I think you kind of hold near and dear to your heart. Could you talk a little bit about how excited you were to be able to have a sermon that lent itself so easily to football references? Sure. Uh, I played football for a lot of years. I love football. I'm one of those guys that think it's the best sport on the planet. Uh, that said, I did try, if you listen to the sermon, to talk about any head-to-head -head sports where you go against an opponent and that opponent can affect you, even physically, uh, that it relates to that. And so I mentioned, you know, volleyball and baseball and just all those things. But naturally, as I got into my groove, I leaned heavily on football, uh, having played it for many years, and it just made it nice and easy. The playbook that I brought on stage was from uh, my high school rivals, uh, days of, of football and, and Oakmont High School Vikings and they're a great school but of course they were our rivals so we want to beat them right uh, and so it was it was awesome for me to just kind of lean into practices back in the days and what it was like uh, every at the end of every practice we'd go through what are called walkthroughs where we have to stop and then have someone walk through what the other team's plays are, uh, or at least what we think they are, and then what do we do in this scenario? And so we kind of had to become every week experts in what the other team was going to do and what our assignments were. And so it was just as important for us to identify and signal to one another what the opponent was doing and what plays they would likely run. Um, and so being able to lean into that in a football aspect is just always kind of a geek out moment for me. And there's just a lot of cool similarities. Like in football, I got to sort of talk about the concept of on a sideline, at least our coach, and I know in a lot of games you watch, you can hear the players screaming in unison. And that's because coaches at least drill into you in high school that the second we on the sidelines see uh, it's a pass, we yell pass, or if it's a run, we yell run. And that's just such an easy parallel to our walk as Christians. You know, if I were to, if I were to see you getting ready to fall for a trick or play that Satan's going to do, I'm going to yell pass, look out, Satan's going to pass it, or greed, or lust, or you know, whatever. We should be yelling, not mad at each other, but signaling, look out, you're ready to fall for one of the classic traps, don't fall for it. We practice this. We talked about it every Sunday. We have plans for this. Don't fall for it. And so, at least in my mind, the, the connection for 
um, a team and, and plays and fighting the good fight uh, and that we are at war. It just kind of like lent itself easily to the sport of football. But I'm sure if you sat, if you had a pastor who was a baseball player or a volleyball player, he would think he would think the same thing. So yeah. I think that's an interesting point you're talking about uh, the players on the sidelines getting engaged because it can be really easy. Um, as Christians to see other Christians that are in life that maybe they're going through a tough time or, or whatever's going on over there to look at it and you can take the perspective of the sideline player who does nothing says nothing doesn't engage with it like well no I'm defense like I'm not on the field right now right. this isn't for me to get involved with but you as a sideline player or as a fellow Christian get an interesting perspective right. um, from the football aspect it's you're on the sideline so you see the backfield. You can see what the quarterback and the running back and all those guys are doing a lot more clearly than anybody on the other side of the, the line. Um, and it's the same thing is true for us as Christians. We can sometimes see where a brother or sister might be getting ready to slip up in something and they just don't see it. Like they yeah. don't understand like this relationship I have with this person or this um, situation I'm getting ready to go into. Like they, they can't see the trap that's right there, but right. you, um, maybe from experience or just different perspective can clearly see like, hey, you're getting ready to walk into something dangerous. Like you need to, to be aware of that. So I think that that's an interesting um, parallel yeah. that, that we get as brothers and sisters as no, well. It's, it's absolutely true. And it's not just on a football field. Uh, it's, it's in every aspect. I think all of us are experts in knowing what someone else should do. But the moment it's us, we're, we're kind of compromised. Uh, and I have you know, anecdotal evidence that proves out all over the place. One, one thing that happens, I do a lot of uh, facilitation, team building at uh, professional levels, and there's this thing we have called the electric maze, where uh, the participants have to get from one side of an electric field to the other, and they each have to take a turn, and it's all in silence, and they can only move, you know, forward, back, left, right, and diagonally one square at a time, and they're either stepping on um, uh, an electric mine or finding a safe space. And it's just so funny to me that everyone on the outside knows very clearly what to do, but the moment you get on the inside, People are, are losing their balance. They're like, wait, do I go here? Do I go there? And it, we debrief at the end of every single uh, game that we play or activity. And everyone says, when I was in the middle, it's like I lost my mind. I lost all sense of direction and I didn't know where to go. And we always use that as a teachable moment to say, then maybe have more grace for the person that goes through it. Yell loudly, point clearly. But don't be angry at him for not seeing it right. And so, uh, yeah, in the, in the game of football, it's, it's at least in that aspect, it's mm -hmm. true on the sideline. You're in the other team's backfield. You can see straight away what's happening. Mm -hmm. And if you can buy your teammates that half second, I mean, that's precious. Games are won and lost by inches. If you can buy them that fraction of a second every play, um, it's going to suit you well. Yeah, and I think... Uh, the other thing that, that lends itself well to real life from the football analogies is the excitement that a team would have. Like if you were given and it wasn't through like you broke into their office and stole their playbook. But if you were able to morally write, get your hands on their, their game plan and specifically their playbook, like how excited would you be? as a team like we know what they're going to do like we know all of the the plays we know everything um we get an even more in-depth playbook of the enemy when we look at scripture we get all of the ways 
that he, he is going to try and slip us up. And it's not just, oh, well, they're going to do this type of run player that in this situation. It's, no, he's specifically going to do these things when you're at this point in life or, or when or whatever's going on. So could you speak a little bit to, I guess, just the value that we can have as Christians, knowing some more of those specifics? And you, you, you delved into in your sermon some specific traps. Right. Um, yeah. If you could talk a little bit more of that. Well, sure. I mean... There's a reason that it's a major infraction in sports to steal the other team's signs, even just the sign on this one thing they're going to do. Well, the reason that a football coach covers his mouth when he's calling in the plays, at least in the NFL and college, is because if you only uh, had to study for the plays you know they're going to be doing, you're at a huge advantage. All things being equal, a far inferior team could be a team way better than them if they knew exactly what plays they were going to do. They still got to execute it, but knowing the plays, um, there's reason certain coaches have been fined half a million dollars for it. It's a big deal. And so in in sportsmanship, yeah, you don't do it, right? We're, we're not allowed to do it. It's, it's heavily frowned upon. But fortunately in our spirituality, God calls on us to know the enemy's playbook. And fortunately for us, it hasn't changed ever. Uh, the, the book that I relied on during the sermon uh, is almost 400 years old, and it specifically called out sins that we fall for today, uh, plays that, that Satan is going to outline for us. And so um, it, it was kind of intriguing. It's a, it's a book that I recommend everyone get. You can download it for free, actually. It was given to me by Pastor Andy, a uh, British fellow, so Andy was probably related to him or something. Uh, but uh, but it was called Precious Remedies for Satan's Tactics, I think, uh, Schemes and Tactics or something by Thomas Brooks, written in the 1600s. And so uh, when you go through and read them all, you kind of get excited because you're thinking, oh my goodness, this is, this is exactly, this exactly applies to today. Uh, and it only takes a little bit of translation of the you know, King James Version speak uh, to today to, to understand exactly what's happening. So I, I think, were you asking me specifically some of the ones I got excited about? or Yeah, if you had some that, were, that stood out to you as these are the most devastating that I see people go through or these were the most interesting to kind of dig into whatever yeah. stood out. So there was... There was, of course, all of the ones pertaining to specific sins, um, and the one that encapsulates most of them is hide the sweet bait that Satan makes, bait, temptation, greed, lust, pride, envy, like all of those. He always makes it sweet and appealing and makes that well-known, the good side of it well-known, but he hides the hook. He doesn't let you see what the consequences are or the pain that it's going to cause others. And so... That's kind of the, the obvious one when you say like, oh, don't sin. Most people go towards, I can't drink, smoke, cuss, like all the like known ones. And, mm -hmm. and I would say that's the most obvious one. And the book is filled with uh, a lot of those. But the ones that hit a lot deeper, I guess, more relevant to what I think we go through, especially in the age of social media, um, you figure when this book was written, you couldn't post your thoughts for all 50 of your friends that lived in a 100-mile <laughs> radius, uh, you, you didn't argue about that kind of stuff. Um, and you know your, your daily activities might include playing a game of like catch or something. You, you couldn't just hop in your car and go. So totally different world. Same sin, different medium. But I think today, relationships, that, that's the thing that we struggle with. We're more connected than ever. 
yet less connected than ever. Mm -hmm. uh, we're more divisive than ever. The internet was supposed to unify us, and I think it's done a good job of not letting that. It's our fault. It, it's just a, it's just a medium, but we have allowed it to cause such pain. And so the ones that really jumped out to me that resonated, um, I don't have them memorized, but they were the ones that really spoke to Satan's play and trick. In short, to make you look better than others. Uh, specifically, it would say, I think the one said, um, if it was really, if it was talking to me about you, for example, it would say, uh, Satan is going to uh, accentuate your sin in my eyes. I'm going to notice your sin so clearly. Man, that guy is prideful. Look at him playing music. He probably thinks he's all that, you know, and his man bun is on point. I can't grow a man bun or a beard, man. What's going on? And so, and then maybe I, I'll be revealed actual sin that you have or, or something. And Satan's real good at just letting me see that. Uh, much more easily, almost coincidentally, or luckily I saw it, but he's so good at hiding your virtues uh, and your sorrow and your repentance that you come home at night. You don't know that I saw the mm -hmm. sinful side of you, but he's so good at hiding the fact that you come home broken on your knees saying, Lord, help me with my pride. Help me with my vanity. I'm trying to stop this. He doesn't show me that you're kind and generous and volunteering to help feed the poor, or trying to love your family. He doesn't show me those things. He's so good at not showing the full picture. And that's what a lie is. It's often not just a total opposite of the truth. It's just giving you partial truth, which is a lie. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things we tell our kids. Oh, it's just a half truth. That's a lie. And so Satan is great at that. And this book points that out, that if God's number one calling in our life is to love others, where's Satan going to go? my view of others. He's gonna make it as hard as possible for you and me to love each other and love others. How's he gonna do that? He's gonna make us annoyed and frustrated. And so the book spends time on uh, how Satan's plan, like a lion, scripture says he prowls around like a lion, uh, is gonna divide, conquer, uh, and cause disunity and frustration mm -hmm. uh, and confusion and infighting. The book talks about infighting. If yeah. he can't take us out directly, He's gonna make us take each other out and he just sits back and watches watches us do it. Yeah. Um, so and that was one of the points that, that stood out to me or, or my brain went somewhere when, when you were talking about that, the infighting and changing our perspective. We're not seeing the full picture in others and, and being harsh with one another. Um, was being in church leadership, it's really easy for me to see another church that's doing really well in terms of they've got great programs. Right. They're, um, their campus looks amazing. They're they're going on these incredible mission trips. They they look everybody's excited and yeah. and is engaged. And you're like, man, try not to covet. Yeah, yeah, you try not to covet. You try not to think. Well, they must be doing something sinful to attract all these people and right. to have such great engagement. And and so they're probably um, not really relying on on Jesus. They're doing other things to, to right. draw people. Or the topics are weak. Or yeah, they're mute. They only care about the performance, not the worship. Yeah. Like, it's, all that it's so easy to look at another church, look at another believer, and, and see those things like uh, the book was talking about. Um, was there any of these traps that you felt like, man, this is really hard for me to talk about. This is maybe something that you struggle with or just like, I mean, what more do you, what more do you say? Yeah. Jeez. Uh, is it fair to say all of them? You know, I mean, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, it talks very much. I, I tend, I tend to my life. I, I'm fairly self-controlled, right? I mean, I have things, you know, uh, like anyone else, where I'm tempted to do something, but I'm pretty self-aware. Like, I no, I need to stop doing that or saying that or whatever. I'm, I'm, I have a record of being pretty good at that. And so while that's still true, that's not the one that hit me. The one that would hit me would be kind of the one I mentioned. Um, I, one of the gifts I think God has given me is the ability to know someone and relate to them pretty well and pretty quickly in love and it helps me empathize and sympathize and, and walk with people. Um, but of course, every, every power also has its flip side, right? And so I can quickly befriend someone uh, and they'll trust me, and so then they'll trust me with all of their knowledge about their life or whatever, and then I, th I think it's safe to say anyone would struggle with this, is now I know too much, and now I can get into judging. And then I only see, our, I more times than not see their sin, not their virtues. Because mm -hmm. they don't come to me when they say, I had a successful day today. Yep. They come to me when it was a hard day. And I understand that, but that's my wrestle, is mm -hmm. why is that person doing that? Why is that politician talking like that? Why is that church leader making us look bad? Why? And I don't get to see their virtues, their repentance, and their wrestle mm -hmm. to actually be godly. And I need to try, my wife is fantastic at this, giving someone the benefit of the doubt, assuming the best until you simply can't. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we're called to bear with one another in love. That's the biblical approach. And that's always my struggle. I'll, yeah. I'll love in action, but I'm pretty quick to be like, I have to love you, but I don't want to. And, yeah. uh, that, that's my wrestle. And, uh, but I, I still strive. I fight the good fight, and I do it through the power of the Holy Spirit as much as I can. Yeah. And talking about you know, things you struggle with, this whole Life Hack series, one of the intro statements that you and the rest of the teaching team have started with is, like, don't, don't take this whole series and think, like, man, I've got to work on this, 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 right. this. Because this series has gone on for, for a little while now. Yeah. There's been a ton of really great things that... Um, that the people that hear these could work on. And you could work on every single one of these life hacks. Sure. Um, and you kind of recapped it a little bit at the beginning of your sermon. Um, was there one of the life hacks that stood out to you as, man, this is a real problem in our culture or in our church, or just highlighted in your mind as like, ooh, I'm really excited about being able to work on this either personally or with the church, or just to stand out? Man, it's so hard, right? Because it's like, what do you love more? Do you, you know, and you, you present three wonderful things. I love them all. And so, um, again, maybe I'll take a slight get out of jail free card and say, I love them all independently. And if you were sitting in front of me saying, I really struggle with my relationships, then I'd be like, then my favorite one is relationships and you need to go watch that one. And yeah. someone said, my, my relationships struggle because of my words and how I use them. Go listen to the one on the power of your words. Mm -hmm. um, hey, my, my marriage is hurting because our finances aren't good. Oh my goodness, go listen to the finance one. Yep. And so I, I think one thing that was exciting about this series in general was that um, the teaching team sat down and tried to come up with what are the things that not just our people, but all people deal with, and that this could be a sermon series that has been recorded so we can point back and say, Go listen to it. It's not mm -hmm. that these sermons are the end-all, be-all, but they give a fair shake to each of these topics. Mm -hmm. um, I think 
I think if you're asking me one that I really remember and like doing, I mean, I love finances because I have a background in that and so I always geek out about that. But the one I think I had the most fun with that I think made people kind of go, oh, was uh, the relationships one. Mm-hmm. And not just romantic, uh, but um, leading out of your marriage and your singleness to our single people because their relationships are just as important, arguably more. Uh, you and I, both having wives, we have someone safe we can come home to and well they're stuck with us right they can't yeah. go anywhere if they don't want to listen to us like sorry you vowed sickness <laughs> and in health and so but to a single person uh and i i was proud that we kind of talked about this as a church that their relationships are just as important arguably more because they don't go home and go to bed with them you know that they have to have those have those times protected by us married people not just say oh let the single people clean up the church but you guys let us clean up so you can go maintain healthy, godly, loving relationships with your friends because that is your family mm-hmm. right now. Um, and to lead out, lead well out of those relationships. And so then we talked about the importance of healthy relationships, whether they're married or single. And the exercise where I, I had the most fun is drawing that circle on the board. And I said, all right, this is kind of like a pie chart. Uh, and I kind of said, we're not going to start with the Bible today. I know it sounds weird, but just hang with me here. I want to talk about love. What does loving someone else look like? And for today's demonstration, we'll say in the context of marriage. Uh, And then uh, if you recall, I said now to the audience and do this all three services. And so every service was a little different. I don't Mm -hmm. know which one we uploaded, uh, but it was a hoot. I messed some up but uh, and got some right, but it, it was fun. It was a fun audience engagement, which mm-hmm. I, I, I dug whenever we can do that. And people started yelling out, what, what does it take to have a good loving relationship? And uh, I don't know if you remember some of them. It was like sacrifice, trust, honesty, integrity, uh, communication. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone yells sex, of course, right? And then uh, people just yell humor, love, um, and... Uh, and so people yelled all these things, wrote them all up on a board, and then I started going around each one and said, okay, now out of all of these, which one requires a choice to complete it? And which ones you kind of do more just out of feeling? Mm. It was interesting that by the audience's, the, the congregation's own definition, I think all but one or two was choice. Sacrifice takes choice, communicating well choice, um, integrity, choice, all the things were choice. And when we got to sex, people were like, both, <laughs> you know? And so even the ones yeah. that weren't fully choice were still partially choice. Yeah. Uh, and then it was kind of neat to walk forward and say, now we're going to go look at what the Bible says, but I didn't want to start there because I, I want to be very clear. Love is an action. Love is a verb. And our problem as believers isn't head knowledge of what love is. It's application. Mm -hmm. We need to go love. We know. We already know. And so to sit here week in and week out and call, we need to love more and here's what it looks like. We know what it looks like. Now it's time to go do. Um, And so that was kind of fun because that set up virtually all the other ones because most of them relate to how we relate with others in some form or fashion. And that one, I think, kind of set up a lot of the other ones. And mm-hmm. even though it wasn't first, it kind of had that it kind of had that uh, effect. And so I think I like that one the best and that little exercise the best. Yep. And that was a great one. And if you missed any of these life hacks, you can go to the website, www.fbclovis.com, and you can uh, navigate at the top of the page. There's a sermon button. You can go there, and you can see 
not just the Life Hack series, but um, all of our sermons going back for quite a while. Um, and you can also find on there now our podcast. These episodes are on there as well. They're tied to uh, those sermons. So be sure to check that out. And thanks for sticking with us today. Nick, thank you for being here. And we'll